Show number 139 of Look at His Butt, LT and JK Talking Trek. Yay! Happy New Year! Happy New Year to you, too. This is so exciting. Well, listeners, now you are finally going to get to hear us opening actual presents because we have actual presents that that we sent to each other through the fabulous U.S. Postal Service, Um, and and we're going to get to see what those gifts are. This is almost as good as doing it in person. Well, and the reason it's almost as good, even almost more gooder, (laughs) or (laughs) closer to doing it in person, is we we have our Skype video on. Yes. So we can see each other's jolly faces and looks of surprise <laughs> as we open prezies. Yeah. Well, um, you've got two presents, so why don't you do one first, and then I'll do mine, and then you can do your second Okay, one. and just so everyone knows, um, you also have two presents, but one of them has gotten lost somewhere in okay. the Ethernet. So um, <laughs> do you want me to open this, this little green box or this big red thing well, first? Well, let's see. The, the green one is the sort of not totally crappy, but um, silly Trek gift. And the other one is the, the more reasonable, like personal, I hope you like this gift. Well, let's start out with the more reasonable and move okay. to the crapalicious. Okay, that sounds okay, good. Okay, so that's the red one. That's the red one. Okay. And, and I, hope, I hope you like it and I hope you don't have it. Okay, I'm opening really annoyed it. annoyed if you have it. I'm opening it. Can you hear the ripping? <gasps> I, oh, I have been wanting to read this. I do not have it. It is a copy of Stephen Sondheim's Finishing the Hat, which is, from everything I've heard, it's not just all his lyrics. It's lots of stories and comments mm-hmm. and is, like, the thing to, to, to read, to know all about, like, late 20th century Broadway musical theater. Yeah, it's so, like backstage. Yes. It tells you everything. Oh. I, I especially wanted to get it because um, one of our favorite columnists, John Carroll, wrote about it in in the chronicle oh cool and he was saying what a what a great book it was and i was like oh oh i need to check this out so well, i thought that you would like it did you see the subtitle <clears throat> uh i did but i can't remember what it collected is collected lyrics with attendant <laughs> comments and then the, the type gets smaller and smaller comments <laughs> principles heresies grudges whines and anecdotes yes i thought that was wonderful it's kind of like our show isn't it <laughs> <laughs> yes and it's got lots of pictures <gasps> oh thank you you're welcome i do Yay. not have this and i'm really really excited oh good i'm glad and it's a nice it's a pretty book too which i, I love mm-hmm. you know it's like a nice big hardcover book with glossy pages pretty cover words pictures words yeah yeah oh, good well, thank you. That is a, a very, very thoughtful and personal and lovely gift. Oh, good. I'm so happy. Yes. Yay. Now open yours. Now, as I said, okay. this is both nice and crappy. Okay. All right. So I'm opening this box And I here. hope I hope you will think it is nice. <laughs> okay. Oh, it's a package. It's a package that says Wonder Woman on it. <laughs> Let's see. I'm going to look at the packing slip. They're pajamas. Yes. Wow. These <laughs> These are cool. Oh, I have to rip the plastic open because I have to see what they're like. Well, of course. Oh. Oh. <laughs> Sorry. Amazon is serious when it packs pajamas. Yeah. Oh, these are awesome. Wow. Okay, so the top is a t-shirt. Mm-hmm. Like this. I'm going to hold it up so you can see it. Yes. 
which looks lovely. I could actually wear this out. Well, I know. Not like as pajamas. <laughs> and the bottoms, are they pants? They're supposed to be. Oh, they are pants. Oh, they're so cute. They're all spangly. Yay! <laughs> this is actually perfect because um, the pajama pants that I usually wear, which are made of flannel the other day, um, both knees ripped out simultaneously <laughs> on them as I was getting out of them or something. So this is perfect because I needed new pajamas. These are awesome. Oh, good. Well, you know, hold on to the packing slip or whatever because if they don't fit, you can exchange them, I'm sure. Oh. These are awesome. Thank you. Yeah, they look awfully big. They look fine. They look like they're going to fit me just fine. And like I said, this t-shirt is nice enough that I could wear it to work. <laughs> Maybe I will. Maybe well, I'll wear it on Monday. You know, I was thinking, I know a few women, you know, who have Wonder Woman-like qualities. But you are probably the only one who would want the pajamas. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's true. To express your, your Wonder Womanliness. It's great. Thank you so much. What a wonderful gift. Yay. Well, I'm you're very, very welcome. I just, that just jumped out at me and said, Lena, Lena needs this. I do. Thank you. I'm happy. And when we get together for Shapmoy. Oh, yeah. You can model them for me. I will. I'll be wearing them. Those will be our pajama party pajamas. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Thank you. <laughs> you're very welcome. God, it's funny when the connection gets a little wonky and you sort of digitize. It's very um, <laughs> Tron or something. Well, we can pretend that, like, you're on the Enterprise and I'm on, I don't know what, Omicron SETI 3 and we're so just I really need to far get a, away. I need to get, like, a, a, a salt and pepper shaker to, to hold out my ear and go, you're breaking up, please boost your signal. <laughs> Maybe we can get Uhura to help straighten that out. That uh, maybe so. So can I open my other one? Yes. yes All right. You can. This is a green package. It's green. I hope you find it useful. I think you will. Okay. And ripping, ripping, ripping. It's in a little box. It's a box. box. Oh no, and it's all taped up. Oh, I didn't. I don't. I didn't tape Wait, it. Wait. Here's a sharp object. <laughs> Please don't cut your hand. Injured in the line of Christmas duty, <laughs> or in the Christmas line of duty. Okay, I'm taking out whatever it is. <gasps> it's a warp speed cup. Ooh, <gasps> look at this. It's got the um, mm -hmm. the Chevron, the, nice the Federation the nice Chevron, insignia, yeah. and then it says warp speed with so the, the Enterprise. The thing about this cup is that I thought the one side of it was really, really cool, the part that has the Star Trek insignia. Uh -huh. I thought, that's really neat. And then I saw the other side, and I was like, wow, that's really cheesy. <laughs> so <laughs> My initial thought was, oh, wow, that improv group Warp Speed has put out a cup? <laughs> you can pretend that that's what it is. I can make this my gym cup, my gym water thing. Yeah, yeah. For it could going be that, to the or... gym. You could use it for tea or whatever. I mean, it's actually a nice little thermal mug, so you could use it for hot or cold things. Oh, thank you. <laughs> thank you very much. You're, yes. You're, you're very welcome. <laughs> you're right. It has a cool <laughs> side and a not-so-cool side. <laughs> exactly. That, that's kind of what I liked about it because I, I was like, oh, that one side is really cool. And I thought if the whole thing was blue and it just had the insignia, uh -huh. it would be super, super cool. But it's like, no, they couldn't do that. No, They had no. to ruin it by putting the cheesy warp speed on the other side. Well, it's like clothes you buy at Target. 
you know, you, you'll go, hey, this is a great cut, and this nice fabric and everything. Um, why does it have bolo fringe, you know? Mm -hmm. I mean, they'll, yeah. they'll just ruin it by doing something stupid like that, so. I agree. I completely agree. Well, thank you. Thank you very much. Oh, thank you. I'm so happy. And, and now I'm all curious to know what the other thing is. Yeah, well, I'm going to have to try to follow up on that um, this week. I, you know, saved the e-receipt and everything, mm -hmm. so. Maybe I just screwed up. I thought they were supposed to be sending you a notice. Maybe I'm supposed to send you a notice, but we'll we'll figure it out. Okay, I'll I'll go back and look through my spam folder. But um, my spam folder, I, I do check it once in a while, and not much actual stuff makes it in there. But I'll look again. Okay. Well, that's our happy New Year. It is now that we've had our orgy of Christmas gift opening. <laughs> So um, let's take a little break, and then we'll be back with the rest of the show, whatever that is. Sounds good. Space, the final frontier. These are the voyages of the starship Enterprise. Its five-year mission to explore strange new worlds, to seek out new life and new civilizations, to boldly go where no man has gone before. Look at his butt and tell us about it. Comments to lookathisbutt.blogspot.com. Email to lookathisbutt at gmail.com. This podcast recorded on a MacBook Pro with GarageBand. I was out bopping today, and I bought a copy of Star Trek, the very expensive <laughs> magazine. And the reason I bought it is because it has um, an uh, article, an interview with Bill. <gasps> Bill! William Shatner? This guy. Oh, look at him. Yes. He's and so handsome. You know, the reason Star Trek is such an expensive magazine is it is full of glossy photos. Yes. On high-quality paper. This is true. But anyway, it's kind of strange. I mean, this magazine, the date is 2011. Mm -hmm. It doesn't have a month, but you've got to assume <laughs> January, right? Um, the interview with Bill is like two years old. Oh, Because it's before the movie came out. Oh, even weirder. But um, it does have some fun stuff in it. Oh, good. So I thought I would, um, I would read you a little bit. Um, oh, will you will you share it with us, with me yes, and I with will. the listeners? Yes, I will. Okay, Shatner, who's in a great playful mood over the course of a nearly half-hour-long interview, <laughs>, laughs when asked to describe how it felt to once again sit in that chair. It was when he was introducing Star Trek The Experience. It had been so many years, and I'd forgotten how uncomfortable that seat really was, he says, only half-joking. Spending 12 hours sitting in that was more than anybody could stand. And it was strange. It was an interesting sensation to look around and see all those familiar things. Even the little beads on the armrests of the chair were the same. 
I was trying to pound one, trying to see if I could make it fall out like I used to on the set. <laughs> but they had them anchored in with stronger glue. <laughs> I, it sound, I have a, a really great mental image of him. Like when, you know, they give those toddlers like the pegs and the, the little hammers. And they just sit there yeah, pounding and pounding. Yeah, pound pounder. That's what Bill would do in between takes. Bam, 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 bam. Of course. And then it talks about how um, Leonard collected a lot of Star Trek stuff off the set and everything, but Bill didn't. He stole? And he says, I kept, I kept, yeah, except for his toupees. I kept asking Leonard to save me stuff, but he never did. He kept it all for himself. He hoarded it. It was all ears. If somebody had told me it was going to be worth millions of dollars, I'd have saved it. Only Leonard knew the secret, but he didn't tell me. And what would he have kept? One of those girls, Shatner replies. Any of them, actually. Oh. <laughs> I knew you'd like that. That's awesome. <laughs> and let's see, what else does he say? Um, then he, he says the same stuff about, you know, not being in the movie. And the movie hadn't been released yet, you mm-hmm. know, so this is an older interview. Now, this is interesting. We should maybe do a little research on this. Um, Chris Pine, the actor who assumes the role of a youthful Kirk in Star Trek, reached out to Shatner, sending a note to his predecessor as soon as he landed the coveted job. Shatner sent a note back offering his regards. I met Chris Pine's father. We did something together, explained Shatner, who appeared with Robert Pine, an actor whose credits also include guest shots on both Star Trek Voyager and Star Trek Enterprise, in the 1973 film Incident on a Dark Street. (gasps) Oh, my God. And don't we have that, but we haven't watched it yet? We do have that, because um, I had pointed out via the blog the horrible photoshopping job of Bill on right. the DVD case. But no, I don't think we have actually watched that. Or maybe we okay, did. That's... I can't quite remember. Okay, and then he talks a little bit about, you know, his Star Trek books and uh, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> then it talks about his new projects. And at this point, he was still doing Boston Legal, so they're talking about that. Wow. And, you know, and they talk about the filming of the Gonzo Ballet, mm-hmm. which is out now. Um, and he talks a little bit about Up Till Now, you know, Me mm-hmm. So Horny. Mm-hmm. And uh, here's, here's the last thing, the last paragraph. Um, he surely doesn't need to work, but he feels compelled to do so, even at an age when most people slow down, relax, and smell the flowers from this side of paradise. He doesn't spend his time reliving his old glories, like some Hollywood actors. I so rarely watch myself that I can't even tell you when last I looked, he says. I don't watch me. I don't like to look at me. Mm-hmm. I don't like to see what I'm doing. I like to do what I'm doing. Mm. I really love what I'm doing, and I'd not choose to do anything else. When everything is right, when I'm healthy, when I'm not tired or cold, I feel unstoppable. Wow. That's awesome. Yeah. And it's so true. That's it great. is. It's so very true. But I love that his souvenir of the show would have been a girl. <laughs> so I don't know if we talked about this. Now I'm wondering. But um, presumably in his dressing room, he had a couch, not a bed, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, they don't Well, normally... you, you never know. I mm-hmm. mean... Um, he certainly had had something, you know, more than just a a, a chair at the 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 makeup table. Uh huh. I was just wondering on the choice of chair, uh, sofa versus bed. You know. Well, I don't know. Um, I'd like to know. I wonder how we could find that out. Probably can't. 
because that piece of furniture or whatever it was would certainly have been a good souvenir. (laughs) (laughs) I think actually a better souvenir than Kirk's bed. Yes. (laughs) This is true. So. (sighs) Well, thanks for that. that. That's awesome. I like that. That that was a cool article. And um, throughout this magazine, they're interviewing like all the new people playing the roles. And so when they interview like Zachary Quinto, there's also pictures of Nimoy as Spock. Mm -hmm. But the only ones from the old show that they interview are Nimoy Nimoy and Shatner. As it should be. That's good. Yes. Yes. Um, Um, So uh, speaking of interviews, I wanted to just read a little bit of the interview that we had mentioned before. The one that was in... uh, it was on Canada.com <laughs> where okay. um, Bill was talking about what he's doing coming up um, in the new year and which okay. ended with that great quote about what are you looking forward to for 2011? And he said, staying alive, which I thought right. was great. But I just wanted to go over what is Bill doing in 2011 so far? I mean, this is just um, at the end of December. So there are probably 8,000 other things that he's going to be doing, but this is what he has so far. Okay. Um, it says, Though he turns 80 next year, Shatner is not slowing down. In fact, his 2011 calendar looks even busier than his crammed 2010 one. In addition to Ship My Dad Says, he has TV hosting gigs, there are three of them, Aftermath, Raw Nerve, and Weird or What. He's working on an album and a book, and he's producing an as-yet-unannounced game show. Another game show. What is the, what is the uh, book he's working on? It doesn't say. I don't know. Okay. Um, and then the movie, Captains, a documentary he directed about his life, which includes interviews with Star Trek TV captains Kate Mulgrew, Scott Bakula, Patrick Stewart, and Avery Brooks will be released next year as well. Captains is being edited as we speak, he says. We've got a great film. There's a lot, there's a lot of it, and we're passionately putting it together. I like that, passionately. We'll have it ready in the near future. There are extensive interviews, and there will be a lot of clips involving actors who played the captain on Star Trek and what elements unify us and what things are divergent about us. There's a great deal that is common among the actors, their experience, their temperaments. So that was really good. So that's already a ton of stuff that he's doing. Yes. That would more than fill up anybody's year, and that's just his most immediate things. Just what's, like, off the top of his head. That's what he's Mm -hmm. doing. Wow. Well, speaking of what Bill is doing. Yes. um, The new season of Shatner's Raw Nerve starts on February 1st on the Bio Channel. Uh And um, on the fan club site, they posted the the interviews, who they're going to be. And what they do is um, it's it's two half-hour shows back-to-back. So there's two interviews Mm -hmm. every time the thing comes on. So the opening one is Carol Burnett. Oh, wow. And Mary Lou Henner. Not together, just two different interviews. <laughs> okay. Okay, the next one is Rick Springfield. Wow, okay. And Florence Henderson. Oh, wow, cool, very good. Who we figure sh- he did. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because they shared a dressing room for an entire day, remember? <laughs> or a makeup table or a something. A makeup table, yeah. The next one is Penny Marshall. Uh-huh. And Jessalyn Gilsig, if that's how you say her name, she plays... Uh, the wife of the 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 Glee teacher on oh, Glee. Okay. 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 I had to look her up, even mm-hmm. though I watched that show. I didn't know her name. The next one is Kevin Pollock uh-huh. and Carl Reiner. Oh, that should be good. That should be wonderful. And then the last one is Lavar Burton uh-huh. and Walter Koenig. 
that should be very interesting. Wow. Yes. Wow. Do you think they'll talk about toupees? Um, probably not. <laughs> Maybe with Carl Reiner. <laughs> that's true. Maybe that's a theme that's running through this this uh, season is is hair and toupees and things. That would be kind well. Of cool. Maybe so. Yeah. So. That's something to look forward to. I have to find out if I even get the bio channel. I think I do. Oh, that sounds really good. Wow. Talking with Walter, what are they going to talk about? About George. About <laughs> <laughs> what did you think they were going to talk about? I, I don't know. I don't know. Science fiction? Harlan Ellison? Maybe? I don't know. Maybe. What's he going to talk to LeVar Burton about? Uh, reading Rainbow? I don't know. <laughs> Well, anyway, I think that that sounds like a pretty good lineup of guests. It does. It sounds and great. And I, I really want to see him talking to some of these people. Yeah, yeah. Um, speaking of Walter, I cannot remember if we talked about this on the show, but um, I, I found finally online some pictures of Walter without his toupee on. Oh, really? Yeah. Did I not send those to you? No. Oh, yeah. So he's appeared um, in pictures and in uh, a, a small piece of film somewhere, like a news thing, with, without his toupee. Oh, so like, is he is he really bald or just thinning or what? No, no, he's he's pretty bald on top. Pretty yeah. much, pretty much no hair would, up there. I would like to see those. Yeah, uh, I'll have to look for them. I, I can't remember what path led me to them, but um, I oh, I think you know what? It was a discussion on Shatner's toupee, and somebody oh, okay. had posted a link, so I just followed links to to look at that. Okay, okay, that was good. Um, by the way, uh, Shatner's toupee recently had a great posting about. Um, how the Blu-ray releases really allow you to see when Bill's having a bad toupee day on the show. Uh-huh. And they posted some nice screen caps showing just how bad it really was, which, <laughs> you know, I guess they weren't really thinking on TV in the late 60s when there were no, um, you know, VCRs or anything. No, of course not. in a second. And now when you look at it, you're like, whoa, that's really bad. But the, the thing is, I mean, they still don't know what they're doing despite the use of high def and Blu-ray and everything because... I, so many shows when I tune in now, everybody is so heavily made up to the point of having no features other than what the makeup has drawn on. Ew, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's very bad. Ew. Really. Oh, so let's see. I wanted to ask you about um, shit my dad says because you mentioned that you saw a recent episode and it was not good. No, and it wasn't good. And it, as I was cruising around the web, I found someone else pretty much saying the same thing about that particular episode hmm. and uh, and saying, you know, that he was a Shatner fan and generally liked the show and hoped it would be better the next week, which hmm. is this week coming up, so we'll find out. But it was one where um, Ed, that's Bill's character, had uh, reserved a baseball at a collector's uh, store uh-huh. and was going to pick it up and when he got there he found that the guy had sold it to somebody else because it turned out it was worth quite a bit of money and this other person came in and bought it for a lot of money and the the idea of the show was supposed to be that he his son tagged along so they could spend the day together oh. and bonding and stuff but it was it was just so 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 flat so predictable and uh None of the characters, really, of the son and then the other son and his wife, are really going anywhere. In fact, the son and the other son and his wife, at least in this one, it almost seemed like they were in a different show. Oh. 
So it was not, not a good episode. Oh, that's too bad. But I have seen good episodes, and like the one before that, I can't remember what it was, but, I, you know, I had it on, and my husband came through, and he hates TV, and he certainly hates sitcoms, and he's not a fan of Shatner, but he was laughing at it. Mm. Maybe, it so, was, uh, maybe it was one that was out of order, you know? It might have been filmed earlier in the season before they had well, kind of found no, their Well, no, because a, a couple episodes ago, the other son and his wife also had to move back in with Dad. Oh, okay. And so, and this episode was prior, or was after that. They were already living there, so... I don't know, they were just having a, a bad week or something, but it wasn't good, so I hope this week it's going to be better. All right, well, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll forgive them that one. They get one, one pass on that. Right. Well, so that was something that was trying to be funny and wasn't, so why don't we talk about something that is that wasn't trying to be funny and is definitely oh i will mention one thing which was that um the show shit my dad says won the award for favorite new tv comedy at the 37th people's choice award earlier this year so yes whatever that means it means a lot of people liked bill and voted for it pretty much i i guess so that is that is what it seems to have been so um let's talk about this this zine picture (laughs) Which you put up on our site. See, I'm laughing right now because I'm looking at it. <laughs> <laughs> it is pretty, pretty evil because evil Spock or angry Spock or pissed off Spock, whatever he's supposed to be, is um, he looks a lot like T'Pau, doesn't he? He does. He totally does. Do you like how the flames go into his hair? Above yes. Him? Like, it looks yes. like he's wearing a little garland of flame or something. He is. He's got his garland of flames. And the other thing that, that just totally struck me and I laughed so hard over is um, her tits. <laughs> and they look like the fake kind that you get for Halloween or something. Well, yeah, they really do. And what I was thinking is they reminded me of this is probably, I don't know, eight, nine years ago when. Um, Gwyneth Paltrow won the Oscar uh-huh. and was wearing just a horrible dress, and her tits looked awful. And a couple of days later, I went to get my hair cut, and the woman who cuts my hair, we're you know, both into movies, and we've been buddies for a really long time. And, she, and I brought up Gwyneth Paltrow, and she goes, oh, those were the tiniest, droopiest, saddest little <laughs> boobies I've ever seen. <laughs> yes, this could well apply to this picture also. It's, and what is the little boxy thing at the bottom? I, I don't know. I, I don't know. It's really oh. bad. So um, let me backtrack just a little bit to say that this is an illustration out of the first issue of one of the um, original KS zines that's called Naked Times. So this is from Naked Times number one, and this is part of the collection of zines that you had that we're currently selling. So if anybody wants to buy this, um, you're welcome to it. I have all of the zines so far listed on my um, live journal page and I linked to it from the blog so you can see how much they cost and all that. It's quite a a lengthy um, issue. There's a lot of of stuff in it and there's some good pictures and there's a lot of bad pictures and this is clearly one of the bad pictures, (laughs) one of the worst pictures that's in there. Um, So before we, we got together to record this, I actually looked to see if I could figure out what the plot of the story is. Uh-huh. And it, the, knowing the plot of the story actually kind of ruins this. So um, I, I'll, I'll summarize it very quickly so we don't have okay. to be all squicked out by it. But the plot, the girl is Christine Chapel. It's supposed to be Chapel. Oh, right. It looks just like her. I was thinking it was Vina. 
No, it's supposed to be chapel. Okay. Um, and for reasons that are completely inexplicable, Spock gets possessed by some alien thing, and it causes him to rape her, basically. Oh, okay. And there's all this, you know, it's it's physical rape, but it's also sort of mental rape as well. So that's, I guess, what's supposed to be happening right here. It appears to be written by a man, so the rape scene is actually kind of way too long and way too detailed, you know? Mm -hmm. Like, I think you know what I mean. Yes. Um, And then, um, typically, for a story, I think, let me generalize here, a story about a woman being raped that's written by a man, um, Christine is like, oh, no, that's okay. You didn't mean it. You were were possessed by an alien. I'm I'm fine, (sighs) really. I'm okay. That's just like, um, enemy, is it Enemy Within? Yeah. Where Kirk tries to, to mm-hmm. rape Rand and, yeah. and, you know, there's, there's no repercussions and Spock makes that snarky, oh, horrible comment to her. It's horrible. Um, and then at the end, um, he's better and he goes back to, um, his quarters and that's where Kirk is. So they're, you know, having a relationship. Uh, Christine says something. What the heck does she say to him? Hold on. She says, uh, suddenly she looked up, a pose of bravery crossing her tired face. A pose crossing her face. That's good. Wow. I was wondering, is there someone else? She asked quickly, forcing her eyes to remain locked on his. Another woman? And then Spock says, there is no other woman. Because, of course, there is another man, which is Kirk, who's waiting for him back in his quarters. Of course, of course. (sighs) So it's a terrible, terrible story, but the illustration is hilarious, so that kind of makes it okay. Well, speaking of chaos, the other night I actually read a chaos story I hadn't read before. Mm -hmm. I found it on somebody's rec list. I can't even remember. And it's written by someone I don't know the name of. And I believe it was called A Private Obsession. Mm-hmm. That sounds kind of familiar. And it was very similar to UK Jess's Beside the Wells. Uh-huh. In, in, you know, theme and what happens. But it was very well written. And the, the very strange thing, though, was that the author at, at the beginning said something like, and to answer all of those who have asked me, no, this is not an AU. But the whole thing takes place with... Um, Kirk and, and Spock both being like these these low level workers <laughs> at a at a um, like a metal processing place, uh-huh. and and the guy in charge of it becomes obsessed with Kirk, and it proceeds from there. And then after certain, you know events transpire and time goes by, then um, suddenly they they both are gone. Huh. And so there's no explanation like why they were there and why they're suddenly gone okay but despite that it was it was very well written but i have to tell you there was one word that jumped out at me that didn't belong and you know for a fanfic story to only have one word that doesn't really belong that's that's pretty exceptional but it was this because it was um it was an edgy story it was a dark story and at one point the 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 guy walks in on kirk and spock who are in bed Cuddling. Uh-huh. Cuddling didn't fit this story. <laughs> oh, would they actually use the word cuddling? Yes. Oh, yeah. But, you know, it was it was a good story. Um, but, like I say, it was so much like Beside the Wells, mm-hmm. which is an outstanding story. 
and uh, and that is an AU. Mm-hmm. Hmm. But anyway, I just thought I'd bring that up. Uh, well, I'll have to read it. I actually looked for it while you were um, discussing it, and I found it. It's in the Kirksbach archive. Okay, does it say who wrote it? It's um, Or when it was written? It says Catalina Mara, and it was originally published in a zine called KSX, number one, uh, 1987. I know that name, Catalina Mara. Do you? Yes. She's written a number of things. Um, series by Catalina. So she's written A Private Obsession, and then she wrote something else called um, Attraction. And she, hmm. well, Grey Wolf baited some stuff for her. So she clearly was running in the same circles that we were at some right. point. Right. But maybe she was, I don't know, mostly a zine person or maybe. something? Yeah, could be. Anyway. I just thought I'd bring that up. Okay. Well, that's nice. It's nice to know there's some good stuff out there. Yes. Because there is some good stuff out there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there's a lot of crap, but there is some good stuff out there. There is a lot of crap. <laughs> so anyway, Naked Times for Sale. Contact us if you want to buy any of these. There are some good things in here. Um, I remember looking through these um, zines. I, I think I used to have some of the Naked Times zines. And, you know, the the one good thing about these zines is that each one probably has 15 different stories in it. So mm-hmm. if you don't like one, you know, read another one. And right. there's bound to be something reasonable in there. And they do have some fairly nice illustrations. Some of them are um, photos, but others were by people who could actually draw. So they're, they're pretty good. <laughs> well, you know, as opposed to I this, know. this thing that we I just know. looked at. <laughs> yes. So um, I think our last thing that we're going to talk about, but this could turn into a rather lengthy discussion, mm-hmm. is this thought-provoking email it, we got. It is. So let, let's take a tiny little break, and then let's okay. come back. And this gets back to our, our ongoing and long discussion about the Kobayashi Maru. Yes. A comer. Y ahora... Mírale el culito con las chicas sexy, LT y la gatita de la jungla. So um, a few days ago, we got this email from a new listener, and um, I'm not going to use his full name, but his name is Nicholas. Mm-hmm. And even though it's kind of a longish email, I think I am going to read just about the whole thing <clears throat> because uh, he raises some really interesting issues. He does, and and we love to have new listeners. It's so cool. Yes, and we, and we love to hear from you and your thoughts and mm-hmm. your your view on the the Kirk universe. Yes. So here's what Nicholas says. So I randomly stumbled onto your podcast. <laughs> boom, boom, boom. How, do people, how do people randomly stumble onto our podcast? How the heck I, does that happen? <laughs> I have no idea. He says, uh, I've enjoyed the little bit of it I've heard so far. I've really only heard your review of the new Trek film, though. I thought you made some pretty interesting and valid points in between the Chris Pine bashing. <laughs> but we're not going to quit that because we don't like him. And you definitely pointed out some stuff that, admittedly, I didn't catch in the first hundred viewings uh-huh. as far as Kirk's character or lack thereof is concerned. Here's my thing, though. I was wondering if one or the both of you ladies could clear up your problem with the depiction of Kirk trumping the no-win scenario. Maybe I missed something along the way, but I was under the impression that Kirk admitted to cheating in Star Trek II and, in fact, seemed to be quite proud of it. 
I reprogrammed the simulation so that it would be possible to save the ship, he said. He added, I changed the conditions of the test. Seems like that's exactly what happened in the new flick. I guess my question is, how can you cheat honorably? Or rather, in what way could you highlight a person's ingenuity while he or she is breaking the rules? You guys seem to think that somehow the writers could depict Kirk winning in a more clever way, or at least in a more commendable way. My problem is cheating is, by definition, dishonorable. I feel this applies even to our dear Admiral in Star Trek II. Was it the smarminess, the self-pat on the back, the dickish way he said, I don't believe in no-win scenarios to Spock that you found troublesome? I'm really sorry if this came off as me having some kind of beef. I'm genuinely curious to hear what you guys felt would have been a better way of handling the situation. So, so um, first of all, Nicholas, thank you so much for mm-hmm. sending us this because we love talking about the Kobayashi oh, Maru. Yeah, yeah, of course. Um, first, I would to to answer some of the questions that he posed at the end there, saying, "Is mm-hmm. it because of the smarmy way he said it?" And then there were like several variations of that in his email. The answer to all those is yes, partly. Yes, <laughs> but it's also, I feel, that what they did with Kirk in that situation actually contradicts what Kirk said in Star Trek Two, because he said, I reprogrammed the simulation so that it would be possible to save the ship. Mm-hmm. In what they showed in the new movie, he reprogrammed it so he could win, which is a very different thing. yes. Because he sat there chewing on an apple because he knew the outcome. Yes. And that is different than changing it to be possible. Yes. And, okay, I'm going to blow my own horn. I really would love, Nicholas, for you to go read my story Mm -hmm. called What Lies Within and get back to me on what you think of how I portrayed it and my idea of a more honorable way of Kirk reprogramming this and, and winning, but not cheating. Mm-hmm. The other thing is the nature of the Kobayashi Maru, it is a test of character. So how can you cheat on a test of character? Mm-hmm. That would be like cheating to your psychiatrist. Mm-hmm. I mean, what, <laughs> if, if the point is to reveal your character, then Kirk did reveal his. And again, in my story, I have him explain why he did what he did in the story and what that says about him, and that's who he is. But I really think it's different to reprogram it so it's possible than to reprogram it so that he knows the answer. Mm -hmm. I completely agree with that. And the thing that um, I love about your story and that made that real to me, the way that, that Kirk managed to pull it off, is that in the movie, he doesn't do anything. Um, He basically, as you said, he sits there, he's eating an apple, and he doesn't have to show um, courage or ingenuity or swiftness of decision or anything like that in order to win. He doesn't have to do any of those things. Right. And um, what was I going to say? Oh, and, and, and if he did reprogram it to put in an answer he liked... To have the answer be that he stands up and says, I'm James T. Kirk, and mm-hmm. the Klingons run away. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that that's just, that that's cheating. That's really cheating, as opposed to the way you had envisioned it, which I think makes so much more sense for Kirk's character, which is just to change one parameter so that it is 
no longer unwinnable. But what it means in practice is that whoever is taking the test still has to do every single thing in their power to, to win. Right. Winning, winning is not a given. It means that they have to be clever and resourceful and courageous and take some hits and just do everything that they can in order to win. So most people, so let, let's say that Kirk had reprogrammed the test, right? And nobody knew mm. about it, right? Let's just right, say that. Right. And 100 people took it. 99 of those people would still fail. Because yes. they wouldn't be able to pass it because they're just not good enough. And Kirk would have been maybe the one who was still able to do it because he's just that awesome. Right. And since he says, I don't believe in the no-win scenario, mm-hmm. I, when I wrote the story, I was not, in my little head at least, twisting things around to make them fit my ideas. I had always thought that what I wrote in the story was pretty much exactly what happened. Mm-hmm. And so I was surprised when people were going, wow, wow, I never thought of it that way. But if he doesn't believe in the no-win scenario and they're giving you a test against the no-win scenario, um, he, he believes that all situations, that there's some way of mastering them. Mm-hmm. And so I, th- I think that's what his reprogramming would have involved. Like just what you said, there is a chance. There is a way you can do it. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't mean that he knew the way. And the other thing I like, maybe I'm giving away a little of the story here, but it's one of the things I really liked that I did in the story is his explanation about he didn't think the Kobayashi Maru was realistic, partially because he doesn't believe in the no-win mm-hmm. situation. But also, he said, if you're the captain of the ship, isn't it your duty to do everything mm-hmm. in your power to make sure that your ship and your crew survive? Mm-hmm. And he said, that's what I did. Yeah. I, I think that's exactly right. And, you know, I was thinking about this a lot since you um, sent that email to me like a week ago. And I think it shows one more reason why Kirk is such the awesome character that he is. Because he will do basically anything to save his ship, to do the right thing. And Wait, it's his ship that he loves like a woman. That he loves like a woman, uh, that's right. Yes, so, of course. So, um, <laughs> he, in... You know, we, we see him in a lot of situations where, um, in, in a battle situation, he's what you might call honorable, right? He does mm-hmm. the honorable thing. But realistically, that kind of stuff goes right out the window if there's ever a real danger situation. So if Kirk is in a fist fight with somebody and, you know, the lives of 430 people are depending on it, he's going to kick that guy in the balls. I mean, yes. You know, yes. It's, there's no such thing as, oh, there's no fighting dirty. Kirk doesn't care about that because that doesn't mean anything when people's lives are at stake. So he right. will do whatever it takes, whether it's fighting dirty or cheating or seducing some woman to get the codes to the computer out of it. It doesn't matter. He'll do it. It doesn't matter. Yes. He'll do it because that's what you have to do. So, Nicholas, um, I hope we, we answered our, your question. I mean, explained a little bit of what our point of view is. But I would really, lo- like I say, I would like you and really anybody else who wants to, to go read that story and send your thoughts, um, positive, negative, whatever, to to me or to, you know, us at lookatisbud at gmail.com because the Kobayashi Maru to me is a very, very controversial subject and I think mm-hmm. it should be a controversial mm-hmm. subject. I also think since it's, 
this this big huge huge test is the way it, it's been presented um I resent the way it was trivialized mm-hmm. yes. in the movie mm-hmm. and the way it has been trivialized in some of the the Trek fiction, particularly the, the collection of stories. Um, this is a, a book by Pocket Books called The Kobayashi Maru, which um, tells us how all these various people dealt with the Kobayashi Maru. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, this whole, I think that's where the line comes from, where Kirk said something about his instructor almost fell over laughing at mm-hmm. his response. I don't think so. I think it's too serious a, a, a subject. It's, it's sort of almost at, it's, it's the apex mm-hmm. of your training. Yeah, it, it is. And, and that's it's like your, thing. It's like your master's thesis of Star Trek Academy. It, it is. And you either cut the mustard or you don't. Right, so let me rant a little bit more about the whole... Um, not Chris Pine specifically, but Kirk's character in the movie. So um, let's compare and contrast. <laughs> oh, good. Essay okay. question. Essay question. Here we go. This is our master's thesis. Um, the first episode that we see of Star Trek, <clears throat> Where No Man, compared to the movie, okay, the new movie, right? Mm-hmm. The first time we see Kirk in the TV series, he's the captain of the Enterprise. And this thing happens where his friend, maybe his best friend, um, turns into a monster. And the choice is what he's going to do about that. So the very first time we see Kirk, he has to make a horrible decision. And he makes the right decision. And Mm -hmm. he almost gets killed because of it. And he still makes the right decision in the end, even though it's been, you know, really, really awful. And we see his courage. We see his cleverness. We see his understanding and his insight. All we also the... see his humanity because even mm-hmm. though he knows he has to kill Gary, mm-hmm. he he doesn't want to accept that. And yeah. I mean, he even apologized to, apologizes to Gary as he's about to smash his head with a rock. Exactly. And we see him soliciting the advice from his panel of advisors about what to do. And he take like the captain is supposed to, he listens to what everybody says, and then he makes the decision about it, you know, mm-hmm. just like he's supposed to do. Right. So from that first episode, Kirk's, um, everything about Kirk that we're supposed to understand and respect is shown. Everything is shown. We see him in yes. action. Compared to the movie, where everything we're supposed to believe about Kirk's character is told to us. We're told he's a genius. We're told he's really good at Starfleet Academy. Um, we're, we're told a whole bunch of other stuff, and we never see any of it. And the one chance that we had to see it in the Kobayashi Maru, which is the test, the master's thesis, we see nothing but him acting like an immature 15-year-old. Right, right. And you know what somebody else pointed out? I was cruising the web, and somehow people were, were discussing this. Um, and somebody brought this up, and I don't know that you and I ever talked about it, about in the series – and in the movies prior to this one, when we saw Kirk fight, he was a really good fighter. Mm-hmm. And this person said, um, Chris Pine has, I don't know, like three fist fights or something in this mm-hmm. movie. Yeah. And in each one gets his ass handed to him. Yeah, he does. It's true. And his shirt doesn't even tear in the right way. So. Yeah. God. I know. So anyway, Let's not I, even I, go there. <laughs> I know we've talked about this whole showing versus telling thing. But I, I was just thinking in terms of our first view of a character. You know, mm-hmm. what a difference it is from the series versus this movie where we're shown nothing. We're just, like, we're supposed to accept all this stuff on faith about him being so completely awesome. Because he's not awesome in the movie. His character is not no. an awesome character. 
Well, and I think at the heart of this whole thing is something you and I have talked about before, is what was the vision of a hero in 1967, Mm -hmm. and what is the vision of a hero now? And so I think it was J.J. Abrams who said, you know, watching the the old series and everything, you know, here's this guy who always gets the girl, and he's smart, and he's strong, and he's quick, and, you know, all of these things. And he's going, I can't relate to that guy. So he made Kirk a doofus (laughs) so that people could relate to him. And I'm going, but that's a frat boy movie. That's not, to me, a hero. A hero has qualities that you would aspire to have. And, you know, if if someone is, is truly your hero, it's someone you admire. Maybe when you get in a tough situation, you you ask yourself, you know, well, what would John F. Kennedy do? What mm-hmm. would, you know, whoever your your hero is... What you know? What would Lindbergh do? What would Kirk do? Those are legitimate questions to ask yourself if there is someone who you truly admire and want to emulate. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, yeah. And you would never ask yourself, "What would this Kirk do?" Because the, this Kirk has all the the cards. You know, the deck is stacked for him. Mm-hmm. You know, by the writers, he never really. I don't know. He never just really, really steps up and, and does the heroic thing. No, I completely agree. And yeah. oh, it's just, it's, I don't know. I have bad feelings about whatever the next movie is going to be about. A, because Chris Pine's going to be in it being <laughs> But B, because I just have this terrible feeling like they're just going to be resurrecting a plot from one of the episodes and bringing back some characters and there's well, nothing original about it. My bad feeling about it Okay, I'm going I'm going to make a little concession to Chris Pine. I did not like him, but more than not liking him, I didn't like that script. Yes, I, yeah, okay. I agree. Yeah. And the thing I have the bad feeling about is it's written by the same guy. This yeah. the second script. Yeah. That's why I'm just going, "Oh, oh you know, just I yeah, I totally agree. And um I I think we've said it before and I'll say it again. I think if it had been a better script, uh Chris Pine with a better director probably would have been pretty good. Right, right. Uh, but he unfortunately was saddled with <laughs> what there was. Yeah. <sighs> Which just made it bad. I mean, you know, I, I liked Zachary Quinto. I thought he was really good. I thought he mm-hmm. did a good job. And right. I wish that they could have written Kirk's character as well as they wrote Spock's character. Well, you know what the thing is? Spock's character, and now I'm really going to be in trouble, I think in many ways is easier to write. I think so. As long as you write it unemotional, mm-hmm. people are going to see that as Spock. But, um, as, and if you find an actor who can somehow show the emotions under there while saying these things in an emotionless way, you're home free. Mm-hmm. And Quinto could do it just like... Uh, Nimoy and just like Mark Leonard who mm-hmm. were the the best of Vul- the Vulcans of everybody who's portrayed Vulcans and you know they they set set the template um I'm not saying it's an easy thing as an actor because your job is usually to bring the emotion mm-hmm. and and to to really be out there in the 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 you know in the showing way and there is this much subtler thing to Spock, I honestly think though, Spock is like a win or fail, mm-hmm. you know, or, or you know, it's a pass fail. You're either good at doing that or you're not. Mm-hmm. With Kirk, there are so many different shades you can play. 
that it's a question of making your choices. And as the writers, you can, because there are many other, you know, Kirk does have humor, and he does have a certain amount of smart-aleckiness to him. Mm-hmm. It's easier, I think, to go astray mm-hmm. as a writer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think that's right. It, it seems like with Kirk, you get you can be in love with all of the, the stuff that surrounds the core of his character, like mm-hmm. the, the womanizing and the smart-aleckiness and the you know genius at 13 or whatever, and you kind of miss out on the core of his character, which is the hero, you know, right. the, the guy that, that you admire who does the right thing, who really has it. He has the qualities that you right. need. Yeah. And I have to say, when uh, Captain Pike in the movie said that Kirk was a genius, I went, that's the first time I've ever heard that. Yeah. I mean, he's not stupid. He's not average intelligence or lower than average intelligence. But I don't know. Is his IQ like 480 like that other character? <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't think it could be because that character was the only guy who ever had an IQ that high. Okay, so, by so maybe Kirk was 479. Yeah, by definition, <laughs> that guy was the smartest guy ever. Um I, I just popped over to the uh, IMDb page for the untitled Star Trek sequel, as oh, it's okay. called right now, which is supposed to come out in 2012, so they better get cracking on that. I don't know if that's true Yeah. Or not. Here's the very first thing that it says at the top oh, of the no. movie description, all right? Okay. I hadn't heard this. William Shatner is in consideration to return in this film as an aged James T. Kirk. Although Shatner's Kirk met his end in Star Trek Generations, with the alternate continuum created in the previous film, the writers now see a good opportunity to resurrect Kirk. And you know why? <laughs> You're rolling because your eyes. nothing says Star Trek like Shatner. Despite all the other things, all the other epi- you know series there have been and everything else, Shatner is, is what represents Star Trek. Had you heard that before? I think I sort of heard it, and I dismissed it. And I also think, well, you know, I think they'd be stupid Mm -hmm. to to do this and to do a lot of rehashing and bringing in characters from the other series and and everything else. You know, they've said that they're on this different course where there's no planet Vulcan and the whole thing. Mm -hmm. So they should just run with that. Yeah, I agree. And I I think it would be a mistake to have um, Nimoy in it again or Shatner or to bring in a, a Harry Mudd or a Khan or, or any of those things. And also, I hate to say it, but um, I don't think we've really seen Bill playing Kirk for some time. Mm-hmm. I, you know, there were flashes of Kirk in Generations. A few more flashes of that in uh, whatever the, the one before that was called. I always think of it as Six, and I know it's got another <laughs> name. And, you know, it's just like... I honestly think after Star Trek three, we started seeing more Shatner than we were Kirk. Mm, I think that's true. And it got to be more and more and more. There, uh, there was some good Kirk in four, though. Oh yeah, I'm not saying there wasn't any, but and but I'm saying with each movie we saw less and less Kirk after that. That's true. Although we did see some Kirk in Denny Crane, which was fun. Yes, that that was fun. I did enjoy that quite a bit. Yeah. So here's what I think might happen. I, um. You know, in the other movie, when Zachary Quinto and Leonard Nimoy were on the screen together, it actually worked pretty well. You know, I felt like mm-hmm. even though, you know, Nimoy's all like, oh, my God, let's bow down because Nimoy's in this film. Quinto held his own against him, yes. which was really good. However, 
if I saw William Shatner and Chris Pine on the screen together, <laughs> the, the image that I have, the very strong image, is like when you hold a piece of cellophane too close to a light bulb, and it sort of, <laughs> it like gets all melty and crinkly, and it, it just kind of crumples, and then it turns into ashes. That's what would happen to Chris Pine. Okay, that's okay with me. Because, <laughs> you know, he's Bill. Yeah, he's Bill. <laughs> that would be all right. That I think would be that, all right, yeah. That's, a, that's a, a pretty good image. You know, and I could even see, like, they're filming, and as they're filming and it's a two-shot, the camera is straying and, and, you know, making it into a one-shot of Bill, and the director's going, what are you doing? And the cameraman's going, I have no control over this. The camera's just going to the person who's actually good at what they're doing. That would happen. That would totally happen. Yes, it would. Oh, that's very funny. <laughs> <laughs> well, listeners, if you have any more information about the new Star Trek movie that we don't, because I haven't seen anything anywhere from anybody, let us know, because we'd like to know if there's more news. IMDb, well, I'll have I, to, to cruise a little through this magazine, too, Yeah, maybe to, to see if it says anything, but I don't know. IMDb has nothing else. They don't have any plot descriptions. All they have is the cast listing, which is basically everybody who was in the last movie. Um, with the exception of Simon Pegg, I heard he might not come back. Oh. Um, so do they list other characters, like no. any villains or any other nope. names we know? Nothing. Mm, okay. just, just the okay. normal people. So, you know, whatever. I haven't heard anything at all. And um, normally stuff like that, I, I kind of see when it shows up on Twitter or in mm-hmm. live journal or something, but I haven't seen anything at all. I think well, and what's interesting is that has not shown up in my Shatner news feed. Mm. I don't know. Um, I know that J.J. Abrams has been really busy with that new movie that he has that's coming out that I can't remember what it's called. It's got a number in it. I saw I, I saw a trailer for it the last time okay. I went to the movies. Let me see if I can find it. J.J. Abrams new movie and he's released some um oh it's called super eight uh it's steven spielberg produced and they released some um stuff on youtube that's related to it it's a monster movie it's like clover cloverfield oh okay so i think that's been taking up a lot of his time uh and maybe when that's all done and released then he's going to be turning his attention to this um, speaking of movie trailers, this has nothing to do with Star Trek, but this made me laugh so hard. I went to the movies, and I've been going to the movies a lot, so I don't know what movie I, I went and saw. But um, one of the, the previews they showed was what looked like a very high-quality, um, going to be a very high-quality scary sci-fi movie mm-hmm. of um, – when when whatever Apollo Eleven or whatever went around the moon. And oh while they yes, were... I saw that trailer too. <laughs> yeah, well, when they first showed the thing that they find on the moon, I mean, in my mind, I didn't talk to the people around me, but I went, "Is that a transformer?" And I thought, ha, 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 "It is." They've made a transformer move, transformer movie. On the moon, I know. On the moon. I saw that. I was at the movies, and I saw that thing, and I'm sitting there, and I'm looking at it, and I went, oh, no, it's another <laughs> Transformers movie. It's on the moon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that looked like real crap. <laughs> oh, I don't think 
think I'll be seeing that. Um, no, I won't be seeing that. There, there is uh, just posted the other day. I'll put a link to this on the blog. But IO9, which is a great source of information, listed um, like all of the sci-fi fantasy movies that are coming out in 2011. And mm-hmm. There's a shitload of them. Oh yeah. Oh, there's there's like 50 movies coming out in 2011 mm-hmm. that are all science fiction related. So it looks like some of them might actually be good. Some of them, I undoubtedly will be horrible. Um, but some of them are good. You know, I, oh, that, the movie that I saw the, the trailer for, I went to see the Tron movie, Tron Legacy. Oh, okay. Which I pretty much liked, uh, except for the fact that all the women were wearing high heels. And I don't quite understand that when they're supposed to be computer programs. Why would computer programs need to wear high heels? Well, and what is the... If you're in an action career... <laughs> High heels are, are counterproductive. They are. Um, it was sad because the woman who stars in it, Olivia Wilde, who was okay in the movie, they didn't give her much to do, but she was good anyway, mm-hmm. couldn't really walk in the heels that they oh. gave her. They were like wedge boots, high-heeled wedgie boots. Mm-hmm. And to see her kind of teetering around on them was like, oh, this is just bad. They should have figured that out like the first day of shooting and given her something else to wear because it was just oh. a little embarrassing. To bring this back to Star Trek. But we were talking about boots. Mm-hmm. Um, as you know, and as I think our listeners probably know, I'm living in Chicago now. And I went out one day last week, and I really had thought I'd really more or less mastered the art of, of dressing and the layers and the whole thing. But I sort of misjudged what the wind was going to be. Mm-hmm. So although I had on these layers, I had on a jacket instead of my longer coat. Uh-huh. And even though I had, you know, silk long johns on and a pair of jeans my legs were still really cold and I thought I wish I had those leather boots that Uhura had (laughs) that go halfway up your hip or halfway up your thighs because I thought that would really be practical (laughs) maybe maybe the mirror universe is it's really cold well, why was everything else so cut down to uh, nothing? I don't know. They wear they wear very short jackets. That's what it is. Oh, okay. Is that what it is? <laughs> yeah. But anyway, I, I thought that would be a really practical thing to have. Yeah. Well, maybe you could get some made and you could get a nice little sash to go with it. And then people would a be scared one. scared of you when you walk down the street. And you have to well, wear they a little... they should be scared of me anyway. You'd have to wear a little goatee, though. Really? Yeah. Or didn't wear a goatee. Yeah, but that's the trope now. If you're from the mirror universe, you have to have a goatee. It doesn't matter if you're a man or a woman. You know, that's a holiday we need, is mirror day, <laughs> where everybody wears a goatee. You know, kind of like everybody is Irish on St. Patrick's Day. Everybody's uh-huh. Italian on Columbus Day. Everybody should have a goatee on mirror day. Wow. I we like should that. find out what was the date of the first the broadcast, broadcast and... of Mirror, Mirror, and declare that Mirror uh, Universe Day. Uh, I like and that. And if you want to wear a gold sash uh-huh. or, or build an agonizer, you know, one with a, a pay slot, um, <laughs> that would be great. But at minimum, you have to wear a goatee. And could we, does that give you permission to act like Mirror Kirk that, that day and just be all crazy and sweaty and be like threatening Spock and stuff? Well, what you should do is you should be Mirror Lena and Mirror <laughs> Kitty and, you know, Mirror whoever you are. Oh, that means I have to be really nice all day. I know. Oh. I was thinking I would have to do that, too. But, you know, you could still just be yourself if you wanted, but, um, you know, definitely have the goatee. Yeah. I, I like In that. In fact, they should, have, they should have Mirror Day for one of the convention days. <gasps> that would be funny. 
wouldn't that be great? That would be amazing. Hey, speaking of conventions, yes, let's talk about that as we as we draw to a close on this episode of Look at His Butt, the podcast about William Shatner and Star Trek. See how I worked that in there? I was just like Bill. Yeah, I'm smooth. I'm shilling for our show. Um, there's going to be a Creation Con in San Francisco, and we might go to it. I think we will go to it. We're getting close to going to it. <laughs> it's on um, the weekend of March 11th through 13th. Correct. Which is like two weekends before Shatmoy. Mm-hmm. So we're thinking we could have a really rock and room party yeah. if we had our Shatmoy celebration during the con, even though Bill won't be there. Yeah. Well, so far he's not there. Now, you said you had read somewhere else that he I was there. I went back and reread it, and I, I had misread it. It was saying one of the great things is that Bill and Leonard are both going to appear at a number of cons this oh, year. okay. And, and then they listed this one. And and then it said, like, with Leonard. So, you know, it was there that it's only going to be Leonard. Okay. So, um, but if you're going to be there or you're, you know, going to be in the Bay Area that weekend, be sure to let us know. Put it on your calendar. To, mm-hmm. You know, if you don't want to come to the con, which costs money, our room party is free. <laughs> yes, very free. Um, the con itself looks marginally interesting. I mean, it's always fun to go to a con and see all the stuff that they're doing. Um, right, and there are our friends, you know, that I'm sure we'll we'll want to yeah. meet up with. Um, but Le- um, Leonard's going to be there, and Nichelle's going to be there. Um, Nana Visitor's going to be there, and our good friend Dominic Keating is going to be there too. <laughs> <laughs> is um, Lockwood going to be there? You know, Lockwood's not listed, but I bet he will. I bet, I bet he be will. There. I bet he will. I hope um, so. What was I going to say? You know, it will be interesting, actually, to see Leonard without Bill. That is I've true. I've never seen Leonard alone at a con. You know, I've seen him do his stuff, and then Bill mm-hmm. joins him. But uh, um, Yeah, so that that could be really fun. Um, so we should hope, though, that he doesn't recognize me and hit me up for the 50 bucks I owe him. <laughs> that's, that's true. Maybe we should bring John to scare him again. <gasps> well... Yeah. I mean, even if John doesn't go to the con, we definitely want her at the party. Oh, at the party, absolutely. Now, I will remind everybody again that the last time we had a room party at a convention, it was in the newspaper. Yeah. So um, maybe that will happen again. We will definitely be bringing our gear with us to watch things and listen to things. Um, We will also be podcasting at the con. Oh, yes. And uh, hopefully the hotel will have good enough wireless setup that we can do a call-in show again because that would be completely awesome. That was so much fun. That was the bestest thing ever. And there are some other folks that it would be fun to talk to um, who are – Trek fans, and uh, we might set up some mini interviews as well. So, yeah, we think we can turn it into a pretty fun time, even if you're not going to the con. You can come and hang with us and have a heck of a time, right? Right, because uh, we'll probably, if we do it, we'll probably do the room party, I think, Saturday night, right? Yeah, yeah, I yeah, think so. yeah. Yep. So, you know, be thinking about that. Um, be thinking about if you want to be part of the call in, if you can't be there, mm-hmm. um, although we want as many of you there. As, as possible. Yeah, and of course, you know, a party means cake and some Romulan ale and <laughs> some, um, some some shat-tastic prizes that we will be giving out to people. Mm-hmm. You know, it'll be fun. It'll be really fun. And and just to tell you, you know, at the last Shatmoy, um, even though it was small, we stayed up really, really late having these very deep discussions about Star Trek and Bill and all kinds of things. And we watched that, that great interview 
which we still need to send to Sean Dickin. He was going to digitize it for us. That's right, yes. The Out to Lunch interview. So anyway, start thinking about that. Start planning about it. We will definitely post to the blog when we make our our definite decision. Mm -hmm. It's looking very likely. Yeah, because it's going to happen, yeah. Yeah, I mean, if it doesn't happen, if if we don't go to the con, we'll just do our Shapmoy, mm-hmm. you know, two weekends later. But we figure we could really, um, there would be so many people at the the hotel anyway who are our Trekkies that we could probably really have a a great room party. Yeah, and you know, the last con that we went to, um, when we were just randomly interviewing people, it turned out to be so much fun to just kind of grab people on the floor and talk to them, mm-hmm. and we ended up making some really good friends that way. Yes, yes. So. Um, Yes, it was we good. Uh, we are what you want at a Star Trek. Yeah, con. so it's it's uh, March 11th through the 13th, and I believe it's at the um, San Francisco Hyatt that's by the airport in San Francisco. Right, so it's not actually in San Francisco; it's in Burlingame or whatever. But yeah, something that like makes that. it convenient for people who'll be flying in, like moi. Yeah, exactly. So there you go. That's coming up, not that far away. Okay, we've been talking way too long. I know. We're going to wrap this up now. So um, thank you guys for listening. Pay attention to the blog. Always new stuff going up on the blog. And uh, we'll be back in a couple of weeks with more Look at His Butt. And find us on Facebook as well because things don't always get cross-posted between the blog and Facebook. You really want to follow both. Yes, that is true. Okay, bye, guys. Bye-bye. 